Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in mobile development for Xamarin developers, covering the world of Xamarin, .NET, Azure, and more. And today, we're talking with the developers of BlackBaud Mobile Pay Terminal. It's a mobile payment app for nonprofits. I'm joined by Clint Boswell and Christian Whitenhouse from BlackBaud, and Dean Faisal and Alex Blum from the AppCat team at Microsoft. So, Clint, let's hear from you first. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the mobile pay terminal app. Hey, everybody. I'm Clint Boswell. I'm a product manager at uh, BlackBot, and I've been here for going on a little over two years now. I've also been in fintech for around nine years, uh, most of which I've been working on mobile applications, first native, and now um, for my first time in working with mobile pay terminal using cross-platform apps. Um, Blackboard Mobile Pay Terminal is a by design a very simple app for nonprofits that they can take in-person payments. Um, specifically, we were upgrading our experience so that we could add touchless payments and chip payments into our um, offerings. Blackboard Mobile Pay Terminal is often used by volunteers and people that show up for nonprofit events like an hour before they need to start taking payment. So it's really important that they be able to pick it up and use it. And that's exactly what it's designed to do. Oh, very cool. And we'll be getting into a little bit about um, the design behind it and how you all made it so people can just pick it up and make it super easy to use right away. And we're also going to talk about how you implemented some of the, well, the mobile payment portion of it. So Christian, I want to talk to you now a little bit. So tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself too. Hey, yeah, um, my name is Christian Widenhouse. Um, I'm a senior software engineer on the payments team at Blackboard. Um, and I was the, um, from an engineering standpoint, the um, project lead on uh, mobile pay terminal. So I've been working with Xamarin Forms for, I guess, a little over a year now. Um, and yeah, it's been a great experience. Cool. And yeah, so we were talking a little bit before the podcast about, you know, going over the app. And Christian has a lot of cool insights that we'll be we'll be delving into. All right. So now, Dean. All right. So, Dean, you were on a previous podcast, but still remind our listeners of um, your role within the AppCat team. Awesome. It's great to be back here, Matt. Um, yeah, I'm Dean, um, a senior software engineer on the AppCat team. Uh, we help customers and partners uh, integrate with Microsoft technologies, um, help them with best practices around app development. Um, I like to specialize in mobile, but we've been branching out a lot recently. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Wonderful. And finally, but not least, we have the boss man here. Alex Blount. What an intro. What's going on, Alex? <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, my name is Alex Blount. I'm a principal software engineer manager uh, for the um, modern client application customer advisory team. Definitely a mouthful. Um, I have the pleasure of working alongside Dean and also our wonderful customers um, with all these cool technologies like uh, like Xamarin, uh, upcoming, upcoming .NET MAUI, and a bunch of other things. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, thank you, Alex, Christian, Dean, and Clint for joining me today. We're going to have a lot of great, what I like about this crew here is that we're going to be able to have a lot of great insights into how this app was built. Christian, tell us, um, I'm guessing this app was built with Xamarin. So tell us a little bit about your experience building with Xamarin Forms. Like, what did, what did you like about using Forms? 
Oh gosh, I feel like I could fill up an hour. Um, no, uh, you know, I think, um, well, first of all, uh, you know, it's, it's .NET. I've kind of, I've always been a .NET guy. That's just like my background. Um, so, you know, mobile, I would say for me was a relatively new area. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's more niche than say like your standard web development, but, um, the, the fact that Xamarin is a .NET platform made it feel a lot more approachable to me. Um, we happen to have some well-loved um, internal tools that even use like old Windows Forms and XAML. So, so like the XAML piece of it, um, like I, I felt, I just felt like I had written it before, even though um, it was my first time with Xamarin. Um, and that kind of applies to um, the ops, like, you know, the ecosystem with NuGet, like really all of it. Um, just felt like we were trying to do a new thing, but we had, um, you know, all, all these tools were still like familiar to us at the same time. I mean, and that, that was, I think, um, I can speak for my, my whole, um, team of engineers in, in saying that. Yeah. There's one thing that, well, I personally love about Xamarin is, uh, yeah, the .NET and, I think everybody does. I mean, you get the whole whole .NET ecosystem at your disposal. And it's funny, so that you mentioned Windows Forms, that was my first introduction to Microsoft technology. And this is way back, I think like in 1998, was putting together a Win Forms app with whatever version of Visual Basic was out back then. And then trying to get the stupid thing to print. So that was <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but anyways, that's a different podcast. We'll call it just... Yeah. Anyways, well, I won't say anything about it. All right. So, so Clint, uh, fill us in a little bit more. We kind of touched on what the app does, but kind of fill us in about why this app became so important during uh, the COVID times. Yeah. No. It, it's it's a really interesting story of timing, really. Um, and Xamarin fits into it really well. So I'll kind of talk about that too. But um, before we had uh, our legacy app, Blackbot Mobile Pay. You know, we, we got really creative with the, the naming here, um, but it used a magnetic swipe reader. And we knew we needed to update to kind of handle the growing increase of chip and chip cards and tap to pay um, methods, not just tap to pay cards, but also things like mobile wallets, Apple Pay, Google Pay, etc. So we were always looking for a really good solution there. Um but then when, so we were doing kind of like our early stages of this and then the pandemic hit and we shut down, you know, going on right out a year ago now. Um, and over that course, the card brands did a really interesting thing where they significantly pushed digital currency. So obviously online payments was a big part of that and online payment systems and, and online payments in general leaped dramatically in, in usage just because of the shutdowns. Um, but beyond that, there were still places that people had to go. Think of like uh, a gas station or something like that, um, grocery stores, where they needed to physically in-person pay for um, pay for things. And the only way that we really had to keep that touchless option is tap-to-pay cards. Um, so Visa, I think it was something like 300 million over the pandemic uh, cards were sent out. A lot of you might have gotten it uh, 
both on the podcast and might be listening to it that just got it in the mail. Here's your new credit card with, uh, with contactless options. That was on purpose so that they could support these tap to pay methods. Um, for our nonprofits, a lot of them are, you know, a lot of their fundraising are through in-person events and they had to shut those down. Um, so there was a ticking clock all of a sudden where events would start coming back up and they are starting right now as uh, the vaccines uh, pro- proliferate and, and um, you know, states are uh, changing their uh, guidance. They need to be able to open back up and really have their donors and constituents in mind as they are saying, hey, please pay us registrations, please donate for coming to this event. Um, and the only way to do that safely and, and gain that trust is through having contactless support. So we we knew we were going to go into contactless, but then all of a sudden the importance of it ratcheted up dramatically. And we had to um, also make sure that we were bringing this solution to market um, ahead of these new events that we're estimating will start picking up very quickly in the summer into the fall. So, um, right. So Xamarin really fit into that just with everything Christian was saying about the .NET familiarity. Um, we needed to have a team that did not have native experience and be able to quickly deliver something to help our clients um, be able to handle events in a big you know, stream of fundraising um, as they're able to open and, and get past the pandemic close downs. No, that's really, that's awesome. And especially for the, for the, I guess you're, I'll, I'll call them customer, the customer section that you're serving with, with, with the nonprofits. So Christian, I, I'm assuming that you have a, you're, we, when you're dealing with mobile payments, obviously you're going to be dealing with some sort of hardware. Is that correct? That there's, it's not built into the device in other words. That's right. Yes. Um, and our, um, the people we partnered with to um, offer that capability actually um, do not offer a .NET sort of like first class Xamarin SDK. Um, so we had to get a little creative with that. And I want to, I definitely want to give Dean the chance to um, talk about that a little bit. Cause I think from a technical standpoint, um, probably, um, that is the most interesting part of the whole deal, um, of this whole, uh, project. So yeah, that's, that's the fun part I would say. <laughs> and, and one thing I would note, um, a, a, another big important part of that touchless experience is social distancing and our old card readers, the swipe ones were reliant on headphone jacks. So not only was that a compatibility issue with where phones are going nowadays, but um, it doesn't allow for people to be six feet apart. So the new device that we are supporting in MobilePay Terminal is Bluetooth. And that's another challenge in um, when we were talking to the vendor about the SDKs that they um, they supported is Bluetooth doesn't have a very reliable web functionality yet. So it needs to be, you know, the device controls need to be inherently native. So that was another challenge that we had to get around. Dean, all right, so... We have a binding to talk about. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you were able to, well, tell us everything about bindings, why you love them and why they're the best thing ever. <laughs> sure, man. So yeah, um, with with native development comes um, some unique challenges um, integrating with like existing libraries, right? Um, when you're 
um, using .NET on your front end, um, on your mobile side, and you kind of want to use some um, native third-party libraries. It happens, right? Um, and um, they could be in Java, in Objective-C, in Kotlin, Swift, what have you. Um, so there's a way to go about it, which is using native bindings. Um, not to be confused with data bindings, because they kind of share a word there. Um, but native bindings allows you to kind of extract, not extract, wrap those um, native libraries to expose um, a .NET layer, kind of like interop, um, if anyone's familiar with that. Um, that's kind of the parallel. Um, and then with Xamarin, we take it a step further because um, you're abstracting a lot of stuff um, with Xamarin Forms, at least, into the, the core level between the two platforms. Um, with bindings, you can also do that, right? So sometimes uh, when vendors release their libraries, they might have different APIs on the different platforms. It just happens because it's what happens when you have split code bases. Um, so another thing that we can do to get around this is to create adapters um, and common interfaces to kind of expose the most .NET friendly uh, interface to have it be, uh, to have it work seamlessly within the app. So Alex, so tell us a little bit more about bindings. Like, so I know we have Objective-C, there's Swift, and for me personally, the last time I've created a binding was with um, Objective-C and Objective-Sharpie. So now we have Swift libraries. And um, so just quick, for my own sake, but also for our listeners, can you tell me how what I would go about creating a Swift bind a Swift library? Yeah, definitely. So there, there's a couple of different ways that that you can go about it. Um, and another member of the team that's also been on this podcast, Alexi, uh, he's written an awesome podcast. Uh, sorry, an awesome um, a blog post um, about about doing this. So we can definitely link that in um, in in the the podcast notes here. Um, but really, the easiest way is to is to write a um, kind of like an Objective C um, wrapper around the the, the Swift part. Um, that's kind of one of the easiest ways. Make a very kind of basic API around kind of what you want to call, um, and then you can just straight use Objective Sharpie um, and um, and 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 bind it exactly the same way as you would have done previously. Um, so it's uh, while it while it kind of looks a lot more complex. Um, there's definitely um, a, a kind of a, a lot more simpler ways to, to go around it. And, and in all honesty, just to kind of give some, some context as well, we know that, um, that binding is not one of the, one of the easiest things. Um, and that's kind of why we, we were really interested in, in working with Blackboard uh, on, this, uh, on this project. Um, is to really get a, a good feel for what it's like to to build um, a a binding for a complex uh, library um, such as the the payment library that uh, that that the Blackboard team are using, um, and and we definitely uh, Dean did a bunch of good work in, in in really kind of pulling all of this together, and and I'd love to kind of get the the, the take on this from from the Blackboard team. But one of the real things that we noticed is yeah, while this is like it can be pretty tough to get this thing up and running, but once it's up and running, 
it's so easy to bring your .NET developers in and have them just hitting this .NET API and they're just really unaware of what's happening underneath and the native libraries that they're hitting underneath. And um, you can pretty much like hardly ever touch it again unless you really, really need to, uh, to, to update the native libraries underneath. So whether you're using, whether those native libraries are Swift, Objective-C, Java, or, or Kotlin, um, there's, uh, that your .NET devs don't really care about that. And you can kind of create this really, really stable uh, library um, that all of your devs can use from that point on. Yeah, so Christian, I will ask you that, like what were your thoughts about using the library once it got up and running? But Alex, I will say that too. Once creating a binding is really, it can be frustrating at times, but once I got my first one ever running, it was like I ran around the house giving like furniture high fives. It was so. I, I think I do that every <laughs> <It's> time. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Christian, what did you think once once the binding started working? I mean, was it as easy as Alex said? I mean, it just it's done. Um, it was, and I I third the running around the house bit absolutely. Um, I also just appreciate um, the opportunity to talk about this because I would have had to cut in if not. Um, definitely wanted to take the time here to really just thank Alex and Dean. Um, you know, as a .NET nerd, kind of on a personal level, just seeing the proof uh, that something that powerful can happen and be stable and be releasable and work. I mean, that was huge for me. But then, you know, definitely just, you know, if I may, like kind of on behalf of um, BlackBot Payments, like we definitely, you know, I think there's a, a very, very slim chance that we would have been able to um, get this out in the time frame that was required um, without that. But um, so thank you so much to both of you. But really um, seeing the the way that it can all kind of be unified and brought in, um, there are certainly quirks. You know, this binding library is not, um, you know, like right now I'm thinking of that MSDN doc on like the hex color picker, um, like the example that we kind of use to say this is how you would use Objective Sharpie or how you would kind of incorporate it in your forms app. Um, this involves hardware. And so with that, you're just gonna have um, a lot of finicky little things on this version of iOS, um, the Bluetooth adapter, like doesn't start up the way that it's supposed to, um, like stuff like that. So, um, you know, were there little quirks and workarounds and um, sort of like vendor defects that we found, you know, absolutely. but um, at the Xamarin kind of binding level, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Um, and I would say too, you know, seeing the, seeing the proof, like I said before, um, kind of broke that, uh, how to describe it, like cross-platform, uh, glass ceiling of, oh, well, can, you know, what size is the resulting bundle? Um, how performant is the resulting bundle? Um, can you really do everything that you can do natively? Like, is that really the right way to go? Like that, you know, those are the, the um, maybe some of the things that the naysayers would say. Um, I would say, you know, being on the other side of this now and having um, something that really works, I would, <laughs> I would argue that you can. Like I, you know, maybe these are famous last words, but um, I don't know what you couldn't do with 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 Xamarin Forms. Um, it's it's really just completely 
um, shattered and rebuilt my perception to, to where I would just say, you know, yeah, like tell us what we need to do and we can do it in, in, in Xamarin. Um, you know, I'll for the foreseeable future <laughs> saying, um, you know, Xamarin forms developer is going to be at the, at the top of my list of, uh, competencies, I would say just because I, I just, I would put my weight into it. Like with that amount of enthusiasm. Well, that's great to hear, Chris. And I know the um, forums and the whole actually Xamarin engineering team will appreciate those words. And we used to actually have a slide for when we went out, when we could go out and give, give talks is that anything that you can do in iOS and Objective-C and Android and Java, you can do with C-sharp and Xamarin. So, and it's true. And the first time you actually do see a library that is a native library, not meant for .NET, when you .NETize it and run it, and it was never meant for .NET, but now it's running in .NET and it's accessing native functionality and you did it all yourself. It's an amazing, it's a great feeling. And yeah. So what I, now I'm going to transition into something that actually is almost, is, is just as hard, maybe even more difficult, is actually making a really easy to use user interface. Because Dean touched on this before, is that the people using this app might be just be picking it up like an hour beforehand when they're going to, um, I think we talked to like a parent teacher association, like a fundraiser. So they're getting there and they may or may not be technically savvy and they need to use the app and they need to be proficient in the app. And the app needs to be super simple and easy to use. So Clint, can you tell us some of the um, thoughts that went in behind trying to design something that was easy to pick up so folks can just get on it and be self-sufficient? Yeah, so a lot of it was keeping the functionality simple um, and familiar. So like I said before, we had a, um, a, for lack of a better term, a legacy version of this with a magnetic swiper that that for all intents and purposes did the same kind of thing. Um, so, and, you know, a lot of the clients, you know, we have around... I think pushing a little under 4,000 customers of this app like that use it regularly. Um, they use the old app. So one of the things we did is we looked at the old app and the workflow specifically and tried to emulate those where it made sense, but also kind of incorporated feedback that we've gotten over the years of that app and, and improved it, made it more intuitive um, where we needed to put it. Um, you know, and, and I know, Chris can touch on this a little bit more, but like some of the uh, the options and capabilities of Xamarin Forms actually helped us advance this a little bit because it was not a native looking app, um, and you know, for lack of a better term, it looked a little dated. So we definitely wanted to make sure it was more um, it was more modern, so it looked more familiar to users when they compared it to other apps. Um, also, uh, within Blackbaud, we we rely on a, a, like a lot of large enterprise companies' um, component libraries. We don't have specific mobile component libraries, um, so really the the goal there is to have the interface of the mobile app emulate and look very familiar to our web applications that our clients use. Um, so we were using that component library. Uh, to guide some of our decision making on, you know, things like button placement, button color, um, um, basic behavior of those different components. The that said, 
you know, there is a wide variety of users here. Sometimes it's members of the organization, um, the members of the nonprofit organization, member uh, volunteers. Yeah, we were talking earlier, There, one that had used, uh, one of our early adopters of the new app had a uh, PTA fundraiser where parents came to the PTA meeting um, and were given like a really quick rundown of how to use it. And then they say, hey, download this app on your phone. And here's the device and start taking payments. Um, the other easy use thing that's really important for us and to keep it simple is, uh, you know, most of these are event scenarios and they happen over a, you know, time box amount of time and they have to go quick. So it's not necessarily a steady stream of people coming through on a line, you know, every 10 minutes to, you know, register for a walkathon it would be hundreds coming within 30 minutes. So they have to move quick. They got to go through the line. And when you add with volunteers picking up for the first time, they have to just know how to use the app and go with it. So um, again, using common patterns through our ecosystem and just you know uh, native patterns where it makes sense in the mobile ecosystem, but also really relying on the um, basic workflows of our previous app. So it's familiar to people who are return users. Very cool, yeah. And it's it's hard doing a, a, a user interface that's for plain or for, for, that's good. So Christian, I want to throw this over to you then um, as the person who was responsible for implementing it and for somebody who wasn't steeped in mobile development before this app, how did you learn, well, one, how did you learn how to do Xamarin development? Like, was there any resources that you used for Xamarin development? And then how did you actually apply that into creating the app like were you involved like did you use shell was that one of the things that you used, or like the flyout menu i guess one how did you learn xamarin development and then what resources did you use that were provided for you to actually create the app sure um well i mean one of the things that i like to say is i one of my favorite probably that my favorite book i've ever read is msdn so i definitely spend a lot of time um, just reading and rereading documentation, honestly. I don't know. That, that's kind of a generic answer, but it's really true. Um, and then, yeah, Blackbot uses, um, we actually use uh, LinkedIn Learning. Um, and so I've got a lot of good course material in there kind of saved. Um, and um, that was where I started. You know, one thing I will say too, just honestly, um, one of the template apps that you can make in VS for Mac right out of the box is a kind of template like flyout page app. And that just so happened to be the mm, like root uh, navigation paradigm that we wanted to go with. So um, it was that. And then I think the other, the other kind of thrust as far as like learning was getting comfortable with MVVM. Um, I am, you know, I've, I've worked with MVC before and I'm familiar with that. So it wasn't too much of a stretch. Um, but that was, I think early on, one of the things that I really had to get ramped up on, uh, get to a point where I could advise the architecture of it a little bit and say, okay, you know, um, should this go in the code behind? Should we, you know, should we, um, I don't know, bind, bind this button to a command directly to the, you know, directly in the view model, don't use the code behind, it's not as scalable. 
like stuff like that. Um, and I think part of the challenge there is not just, um, you know, do I understand it, but this was not a, a solo effort. I have a, I'm a member of probably the greatest team of Blackpod <laughs> um, of engineers. And so um, deciding as a group, you know, what made sense um, and learning together, you know, that was, that was a big thing too, but um, trial and error. And I think, you know, I'm thankful for XAML Hot Reload because that was extremely helpful um, in in um, not only building the UI, but but just playing around with these um, design patterns and see, figuring out like what worked and what didn't for us. Um, yeah, and the, the end result is probably not the uh, purest example of of like you know uh, picture perfect MVVM, but um, I think I think we're in a good spot with it. So, um, yeah, you know, just a lot of a lot of playing around with it, and we had a lot of great tools to help. That's cool, and you know what? I don't know if anybody's written a picture perfect MVVM app or any picture perfect app. So, I mean, if it works and you're happy with it, and you think you can maintain it, that's that's all that matters. So, actually, so Dean, I wanted to throw this over to you, and it's not 100% related to the mobile pay terminal app, but how do you go about learning new things? I mean, you're a more experienced Xamarin developer, but like .NET MAUI's coming out. How do you plan on learning .NET MAUI? Yeah, definitely. Um, so just kind of following the trail of David and Maddie, <laughs> just uh, all their online talks, things like that. I mean, we also meet internally, um, but the main way that I kind of absorb um, information, I feel like that I prefer to go from the community side, right? Like I look at um, GitHub, I look at kind of the commits that are going on, things like that. And that's kind of, I, I feel like learning with the community is, helps me empathize better with kind of how um, people should learn um, or people eventually learn, right? Um, because this stuff is so new and so fresh, like there's no plural site videos or anything like that. Another great resource um, is James Montemagno's um, podcast and um, video series. So uh, Channel 9 is also a great source for all of that. And the community stand up on YouTube too. So there's lots of, lots of video resources um, to get kind of the bleeding edge information. I think okay, I got to love the communities. Go ahead, Alex. Sorry. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, I think kind of one of the great things about Xamarin Forms is it really allows you to, if you're a .NET developer, it just really allows you to just dive in uh, and start building things. You can really use the knowledge that you've, you, that you've already built up kind of over years with C Sharp and .NET um, and just play around with it. And you can very quickly come to a point where you, you've just built yourself an app um, without having to know anything about iOS or Android. Um, so I so I really think kind of that on top of everything else, all of the the cool resources that we've got out there, the fact that it is just a really really easy thing to pick up for a .NET developer, I think just is is a testament to to what it is. Absolutely, um, like we, like I mentioned before, the team has done a tremendous job, and it has come a really long way from where it was even even a year ago or two years ago. So, um, and. And we have David Ortnell appearing every month on the Xamarin podcast to give us an update on where Maui is um, and where it's going. And he'll be giving tips and tricks on how to learn it too. 
So make sure you tune in. Second Friday of every month, there is a new Xamarin podcast. So, all right, Christian, what are you most proud of with this app? I would say, other than the fact that the native SDK readers work um, and work well, you know, that I feel like that's still kind of the, um, uh, the major take home, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of like the, the big picture, like not even just the app, but the way that our whole process has seemed to come together. Like from, I would say like from repo to app store connect. Um, so really just think it's cool that, um, we can have, you know, similar to our other, uh, cause we're kind of a .NET shop. So similar to our other products and offerings and like the, the engineering ops around those, um, we were able to kind of fit right in and say, Hey, you know, we're a part of this now too. Um, <laughs> so you're going to, you know, um, have an ADO Git repo and submit pull requests and they're going to go through a validation build and just seeing all of that, like come together. Um, and I say that, um, and highlight that because it really contrasts with our, um, prior experience. Um, we actually, the kind of first generation of mobile pay was built, um, also, um, using a cross-platform framework, uh, not Xamarin and trying to get that to fit into all of our other, uh, products and ops for those products um, was really a challenge. We actually had um, a a build machine, like a little 2012 Mac Mini that we had a candlelight vigil for recently because uh, we had to, um, or I should say, we had the privilege of finally sending it to its grave with just like a local like Jenkins server and all that good stuff, um, a little more old school. So coming from that, to now just having this sort of beautiful, um, you know, .NET like DevOps dream process um, is probably what I'm most proud of. Um, and uh, while I'm thinking about the old app, I do want to highlight something about forms that I really appreciate, which is just that, um, you know, I might wake up tomorrow and see an update to Xamarin Forms. Um, and as a mobile developer, knowing that, you know, dependency management is paramount, um, I will take that update with confidence and <laughs> I don't have to, um, you know, one thing that I have experienced in the past is when that sort of, um, root SDK or interface or platform makes an update and they might think it's a minor update, um, you know, you, you end up having something kind of inadvertently break that you weren't expecting and then, you know, your, your team looks bad because you let out a, like a, a high defect um, and you get frustrated because you're like, oh, we just updated our, our core, like the, you know, our main thing, our main, um, our platform, that shouldn't be a big deal. Um, really, really proud of um, having the capability to, you know, take a forms update and just say, yeah, we updated forms. Um you know, we don't have to do full regression every time we make any little change. So I love, I love that aspect of it too. Let's talk a little bit, Christian, about the uh, DevOps process that you have set up though. Cause I'm always, I always love hearing about how people set theirs up. And you mentioned that you're running in Azure DevOps for your build process. So first question, YAML or the classic GUI editor? 
Yes, um, I had a feeling you were going to ask you that at some point. Um, yeah, so we um, kind of at, an, at a org level or company level are still largely relying on the uh, classic pipelines for now. Um, we kind of have an in-house, um, it's called engineering system, and it's a process for quickly spinning up um a spa or like a you know a web service or whatever it may be um we have kind of a, a, like an in-house process for getting that going with its own build and all of that so because all of that is still based on the classic pipelines i i have a feeling that we are going to follow suit until that changes which it will one day i'm sure but um that's where we're at for now we actually did have an intern project a couple summers ago um, when we were really just getting into Xamarin and um, we we had some interns take a look at it and just kind of see how far they could get. Um, that was when I first had a sense that this was the right idea because they got quite far um, with no, you know, with no um, uh, significant, you know, like enterprise level work experience and no mobile experience. So as an aside, you know, that was great. But um, we did, we do have like a rough copy of a YAML pipeline sitting around. I love the, the notion of having the pipeline uh, source controlled, right? So like, I think that's a huge advantage of YAML and that would be, um, that for me is enough to move over. Um, right now we actually just export our classic pipelines um, to a JSON file. I'll usually um, format it with prettier or something so that the so that the uh, diff is consumable <laughs> and it's not like a you know a minified thing. Um, and we do source control them that way. But I think having it be a little more um, I don't know first class with with YAML is something that I'm looking forward to. But um, that was a long winded way of saying yeah we're still using the classic pipelines. First off, I love the answer that you made interns use YAML. That's like a, <laughs> and they came back, like they came back the next day. So, I mean. Right, right, right. That yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I, I've talked to several people now and that's the answer you gave is the answer that a lot of people are still doing. They're on the classical editor and they are looking forward to using YAML. They uh, put in the source control, but they haven't made the move yet. And personally, I'm, I would still use the classic editor too. Um, I'm all about yeah. the GUIs. <laughs> yeah, I think when you're, you know, just getting into, you're starting to, um, maybe you're junior or at least just new to uh, maybe the DevOps side of things. Um, you gotta love, yeah, you gotta love that, that UI. I think it's very approachable and, um, you know, maybe that's a strength of, of the classic, but um, yeah, that's good to hear. I'm glad to hear we're not alone. No, you're not. So let the YAML lovers come at us, but I'll defend it. <laughs> All right. So Clint, I want to um, quick ask you what you're most proud of with this app. Yeah, um, I think, you know, given the situation, I'm I'm very proud. Just like what Christian said, we had a great team. Um and a very strong team, but you know, think about it in broad terms. I think we started the team ramping up on Xamarin in the fall of 2020, um, early fall, something like that. And they actually had the full app done um, 
in, before the end of the year. Like we were able to start testing with early adopters in November. So the turnaround on this was incredible. And again, and the entire team, this is the first time they saw Xamarin. So I'm, I'm very proud of the team, but just also I'm proud that we found Xamarin and we had the support from Demon and Alex to get the binding library so that we were able to really prioritize and help out our clients as quick as possible, right? I mean, it was tough to validate with clients because events, especially in January and February, were pretty much non-existent. But being able to have the code done and tested and, and us confident, at least internally in it, and at least get some clients during our major event season, which with the nonprofits, it's towards the end of the year, as you can imagine. It, it was a huge accomplishment and one at great and large uh, enterprise companies don't always do. Um, and as you, I'm sure you guys were paying attention, it was all over the place, but nonprofits really stepped up during the pandemic and did a lot of good. Um, and you know, we are trying to help them reestablish their normal with this so that they can regain a lot of the fundraising revenue that they lost. I mean, think about museums, aquariums, zoos, stuff like that. They took a big hit. And this is this is a real pivotal time for them. So I'm very proud that our team was able to pick up Xamarin, build an app um, with a complicated binding that was hardware based and deliver it ahead of um, when we knew our customers were going to potentially start reopening in, in droves. And at least to me, that's what's really impressive is that you went from zero Xamarin experience to delivering a really cool app. And it, just the audience that it serves is a very worthwhile audience to help. It just helps people out. So, all right. So to close the podcast, though, I always like to do a pick of the pod. And this pick of the pod can be anything. It doesn't need to be a software library. It can be a book that you really like. It could be some music. It could be a restaurant, whatever, you, whatever you're really into right now. And I'm going to start from the way I see everybody on my screen. Um, Alex, you're going to be first. What's your pick of the pod? Okay, I'm going to cheat um, slightly and have two, if that's okay. Um, so from the from the Xamarin and the client side, I wanted to call out we have um, an awesome experiment that's happening right now um, from the from the .NET Maui team and from the community called Graphics Controls. Uh, this is something that kind of allows you to have that looks the same on every platform, custom drawn type of approach for Xamarin. Um, it's um, it. it looks awesome obviously it's an experiment but i would definitely say if you get a chance go and check it out we'll drop the link um in the description um it's really really cool uh so so definitely kind of that from from a xamarin side um this is something from an from the azure side um something that i learned about the other day which i think is really cool um built into the microsoft authentication library the mcell library um, you have the ability to um, use dis device code authorization. So you can, we have in the, inbuilt in that library the ability to do the same sort of thing that Netflix does. So if you have a TV that you want to log in, but you don't want to kind of force people to put in their username and their password, um, you you basically kind of log in on your, either on your mobile device or on your computer and it gives you a code and you just put that code into your TV and it automatically like logs you in. Um, you have that availability in the Microsoft Authentication Library, which I think is really, really cool. Um, so yeah, that's my two. Yep, super cool, but don't be sharing your password and username like you do with your Netflix. 
Yeah, you need to stop using my Netflix, uh, Matt. <laughs> but I don't want to pay for it. <laughs> 15 bucks a month. <laughs> All right, Clint, what's your pick of the pod? Uh, I'll go with the soundtrack. Uh, I got really into, during this project, the Avalanches, if you remember them. They released an album kind of quietly in December called We Will Always Love You. And that was, I, I got really hooked on it. And it was the soundtrack, I think, for the vast majority of the project this year. Nice. I'll have to check it out. I mean, I'm using Alex's Spotify subscription, so I'm sure he won't mind if I log in and check it out. It's there. So. That's how I listen to it. So do it. <laughs> nice. All right, Dean, the pick of the pod. Yeah. So I'm going to... Um piggyback off last year so last time i was here my pick of the pod was the dune movie that was supposed to come out last year the remake but it didn't because of covid so hopefully it comes out this year and that's my pick all right dean picks the same pick of the pod all right christian pick of the pod sure um so i have a couple um the first one is kind of i hope it's not too dry um but I my dad recently gifted me a copy of uh, Marcus Aurelius Meditations, um, so I would say that's my first pick. I'm kind of um, I'm trying to there's there's like a Ford right, so you kind of get the like the historical context, a little bit of background, and it's very um, it's a little uh, it's a little heavy for me, I guess. Like I can't I can't read more than. Um, like five or 10 pages at a time, but um, that would be my first pick so far. It's really interesting. Um, and then one thing I wanted to plug while I have the opportunity is, um, so I live in Charleston, South Carolina, and I feel like um, I, I really think that we have a good um, music scene here that um, maybe probably most people are not really aware of. So um, there's a local band called uh, Human Resources and um, I don't know, kind of just like an alternative band. I don't really, I don't know if I'm qualified to like describe their music super well, but I would say check them out if you're just looking for something new. Um, that's, those are my two. Nice. Yeah, that's, those are, that's really neat. Uh, the book and uh, Human Resources. Yeah, so I have to check it out. All right. And for me, the pick of the pod, um, I, I really can't say if this is going to be a pick yet because it hasn't come out. So I'm right with Dean, but there is a <laughs> new pizza place that just opened up about a mile from me. But the thing is, is that they have such a waiting line that I couldn't get on the list for a month. So I'm four weeks out. I placed a pizza order this morning and as soon as I could get it was four weeks from today. So four weeks from today, I will actually tell you if it's good or not. Will it not but be called that's by pick that? of the pod. That's hype. Yeah, that's hype. It's called Moto <laughs> Pizza. <laughs> it's, in, it's in West Seattle, and I'm hoping it's good. <laughs> Forget dude, I want that pizza. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I want it while it's still hot, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it will be. <laughs> All right. Well, Christian, Clint, Dean, and Alex, thank you very much for being on the Xamarin Podcast. Really appreciate it. Really love learning about the BlackBot mobile pay terminal, um, using the using the bindings, finding out about the user interface, and of course, Xamarin Forms 5. Love all that. .net gets you up and running super quickly. This has been the Xamarin Podcast. <laughs>